about you, Rose. Like any other man. 
neither saw the atonement all his heart, she sent him forth to the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Let me write, say that again. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in prison. Father, we do just want to pray right now. We open our hearts, Lord, to be taught. Lord, I pray that each one of us, Lord, will hear your voice this morning through these words. Lord, that by your mercy and grace, you speak into each one of our lives to apply this word, Father. Lord, that this, this, this bizarre but tragic story. Help us to learn the principles that you would have us learn this morning. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Samson, remember his name in Hebrew? Anybody remember his name in Hebrew? Sonny. 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 Shimshon. Shall we go for it? Yeah. He, the, the Hebrew, the one you're speaking Hebrew. Shimshon. Shimshon. Which has something to do with, with, with sun. Okay, so we kind of tried to establish that. Maybe his name was Sunshine. Which would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Praise God. So, Shimshon, and uh, we, we read last week about some of his shortfalls. We read last week about some of his weaknesses. Although we remember Samson, when we think about Samson, we think about a, a muscly character, don't we? You really watch the film, you can watch the film on YouTube. You think about that, that muscle bank character, you know, who's throwing things about, and killing, killing thousands of, of Philistines and so on with, with jaw bones and everything. It's, it's an amazing story. It's supernatural strength. And you're supposed to read it and read some of the things that he did, but you're supposed to be in awe of it. Why? Because it wasn't him. You're reading about the, these things that take place. You're reading about the fact that he kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And you're supposed to imagine and think, well, that's an impossibility. Well, it is for us. But all things are possible with God, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon him and enable him to do these amazing things. But we also read about his moral weaknesses, his moral failures. We read about the fact that he was a Nazirite, that he was set apart from birth, that the angel appeared to his mother and told him, told her very clearly, his parents very clearly, the way of life that he was to walk in. And then as you read the story, if you, again I encourage you to read number six to tell you the conditions of the Nazirite battle. As you read in the story, you come across certain things like he went down to Timna, to the, val to the valley of Sorek, to the, to the vineyards of Timna. And knowing that he was a Nazirite, you all automatically ask yourself, don't you, what are you doing in the vineyard or near a vineyard if you're a Nazirite? You're not supposed to have anything to do with the fruit of the vine, grapes and raisins and so on. Well, you're not neither to drink wine. <coughs> And those, those things appear there to, to, to try and get you to ask those questions, friends. Because they're there as a warning to us. And then you read things 
like we've just read here in chapter 16, verse 1. Now Samson went to Gaza, a Philistine town, city I should say, and saw a harlot there and went into it. When the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait. It was a trap for him, for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying in the morning, when is it, when is it, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight, then he arose at midnight, took hold of oh, look at this. He took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. One minute he's in bed with a prostitute, and the next minute he's ripping the gates out of the, the city and carrying. And you're, you're looking at this, and you think, what's going on here? How can God use him? What can we learn? There's a great contrast that you see it so often in the scriptures. But as we said last week, you see there is, there is a moral decline, a degradation. Yes? He's going downhill. We said last week, it's interesting, he goes down to Timna. He goes down to the Valley of Sorek from where he was living. He goes towards the Philistine territory. We find him in the, in the, in the city of the Philistines here. Friends, these things are all meant to, to, to provoke questions for us. They're all meant to try and communicate something for us to show you that yes, he's flawed and he had some terrible flaws. He had some real weaknesses and yet God used him because the power and the glory does not belong to him as much as the story is about him. The power and the glory belongs to God. And God began to move. God began to move. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him because the Lord was concerned about the oppression of Israel by the Philistines. In fact, in this, in this particular cycle, you see that the people of Israel were not crying out for help anymore. Not like when they were in Gideon, in Gideon's time and other judges, where they were crying out for help because of the oppression. They got to the point where they just accepted it. But the Lord was looking for an opportunity to move against the Philistines. The Lord was concerned. The Lord instigated it. Do you understand that, friends? Samson, the mighty man of God, with so many sad flaws. Yes? So what can we learn from this particular incident? The incident of Samson and Delilah. They made some cracking films about it, haven't they? Watch the films. I encourage you to watch the films, guys. The Holy Spirit speaks to you through these films as you're watching the story. You're seeing it, you know, you're seeing the images and the scenes. God speaks to you through these things. The first thing that we learned this morning, it's kind of related to what we learned last week, is about the deceitfulness of desire. The deceitfulness of desire. It says in verse 4 and 5, afterward, after these things, <laughs> ripping the gates out, sleeping with the prostitute. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him, listen, entice him, and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Remember, we finished last week by saying, or learning, that our weaknesses, if we don't deal with them and acknowledge them, can become weapons to be used against us by the enemy. And that's exactly what we see here, don't we? We see, we see Samson going back repeatedly to the same places, making the same mistakes, 
doing the same things. It's like a game almost, isn't it? Even went through the things that he's been through. Friends, our desires can deceive us. Interesting word here. It's the first time we see it in this, this part of the scriptures here, this, this story of Samson. He says, after what happened, that he loved a woman. He loved a woman. I think we could have established that the, on other occasions it seems more about passion and lust. But this is a word that describes emotional involvement as well as passion. The Hebrew word here can mean, yes, passion and lust, but it seems there was something more than that. That he was emotionally invested in this relationship. Interesting that we don't see Delilah loved Samson, do we? Delilah loved Samson. That's not what the scripture says. Samson loved Delilah. Once again, it's a woman of the Valley of Sorek. Just to remind you, the Valley of Sorek means the Valley of Choice Vines. Where the vineyards were. And the Nazarite wasn't necessarily supposed to be hanging out in. Oh, there's so many things we could say, isn't there? Going after forbidden passions. Quite obvious, isn't it? That, you know, sleeping with a harlot in Gaza. Witness me, how bad will you get? The Philistines were unable to defeat him physically. I think that's quite obvious. He just, you know, slaughtered at how many? It was a thousand. I think it was a thousand. Yes. A thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Things were not good for the Philistines, friend. They were looking for some way. Some way to get this man. They couldn't, they couldn't defeat him physically. They got to find his weakness. They got to use his weakness against him. They were looking at, for an opportunity to exploit his weakness. What was his weakness? His desires. His lusts. His passions. Very, very clear. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a, like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Be sober and be vigilant. It's interesting, those words in the, in the Greek language are both words that are associated with the shepherds. And they were warnings to the shepherds. Be sober and be vigilant. Okay, because there's a, there are predators that will come and attack the flock. So be sober and be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Where have we seen that before? The lion. <coughs> What came upon him when he was going out to the vineyards in Tipperary? We see a lion that suddenly, actually it was a lion cub that jumped upon him so suddenly and attacked him. He was on the menu for that day and attacked him. And the Bible says Samson was caught out. He was caught out by that. But as suddenly as the lion jumped upon him to attack him, the spirit of the Lord came upon him to kill and rip that lion apart. It's quite interesting, isn't it, that he could rip apart a lion physically. But he couldn't win the decisive battle in his own soul against the roaring lion that wanders around looking who he might devour. And I think there's an important lesson for us, because many of us, especially in the charismatic movement, we like to talk about defeating the devil. And I'm not here to glorify him, friends, not, not by any means. What I'm saying is we've got to learn to, to, to win these inner battles, okay, before we go out and defeat him in public. Do you understand that? Why? Because he's astute. He's had a lot of practice at it. He looks and watches and observes. He's around like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion, looking to see who he might 
might devour. He's watching, observing. I've said it before, like those animals, you know, when the lions are on the hunt. You watch the safari programs. You know what I mean? And they think, you don't see that stupid enough to attack the herd of buffalo, are they? Well, the buffalo are there, they're big, monstrous things, aren't they? But they start, you see them start, they start circling around and watching, and then suddenly you see them, they're maneuvering. Okay, and you see the herd moving away, and occasionally you just see one or two weaker animals that get separated from the rest. And what happens is the lions then cut off the, uh, uh, return to the herd, you know, isolating them, and attack them while they're weak. Yes? Using their vulnerability against them, using their weaknesses against them. Friends, there's a word for us here. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking him. We may give out. You don't need to go looking for a fighting puppy. Let's win the battles in private first. Yes? Hallelujah. Praise God. Delilah is instructed to entice him, allure him. Attract him subtly. Deceive him. It's a word that we've seen before. Let's have a look in, in uh, chapter 14 and verse 15. Chapter 14 and verse 15. It says, But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, what was repeating itself? Look at this. Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? This is repeating itself. It entice him, allure him, deceive him into telling you the, the riddle, so that we won't get one over him. Yes? It's a repeat of the word, it's a repeat of the tactic, friends. There's nothing new under the sun. We need to be alert to this. This is what he does. He will take the desires that we have and he will come to allure those desires that we have. He'll, he'll look to deceive us. We said last week, didn't we? The heart is deceitful about all things, isn't it? We get, we get so easily deceived by our emotions and our will. And then sometimes we come to the point where we know the word of God says, I can't, but I, you know, I'm feeling this. I feel this desire. I feel this is right. Like Samson felt it was right in his own eyes, yes, when he wanted the Philistine woman. James chapter 1 verse 14 and 15, remember we said last week, know yourself, know yourself. James says this, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. He's drawn away by his own desires and enticed, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. I think we have a clear example of that right here in Judges chapter 16, don't you? The one who is observing us constantly to see where our weakness is so that we can that weakness can be used against us. He knows our nature, friends. He knows our nature, and that's why we need to know our nature. We need to know that we are weak. And if it weren't for the grace of God in our lives, We'd be consumed and devoured. You know, we need to know ourselves. He knows the desires within us. He knows what will attract us and allure us and deceive us. We're drawn away by our desires. So often we're quick to get to blame the devils. The devils, actually, it says here, temptation begins here. 
the desires within us, when we're enticed, when we're drawn away by our desires. You see, at some point, that's where we need to put our foot down and say, no. No, I feel it. You know, the feeling and the, the temptations there, the desire is there, but the Word of God says this. And I fear Him. And let me tell you something, friends. It's not just your love for God that will keep you from sin. It's fear. It's the fear of God. We need to rediscover the fear of God in the church today. Because I've said it many times, all we seem to be doing is preaching about the love of God. You know, not necessarily here, obviously, but I'm talking about it many times reading about the grace of God and the love of God and the mercy of God. Amen. Praise God. But we need to remember His justice and His holiness as we've been singing about today. Amen. We need to remember that it requires of us obedience. It's not a nasty word that belongs to the Old Testament. It's something that's key for us today as Christians. Amen. Yes. Yeah. It tells us of the deceitfulness of desires. Let's be careful with the deceitfulness, the deceitfulness of desires. Let this be the confess. Let this be the compass. Secondly, it tells us of the snare of seduction. Verse 6. Well, it's a long portion of the chapter. Let's go. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to him, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dry, then I shall become weak, listen, and be like any other. I'll be like anybody, anybody else, but I'm actually different. <laughs> I'm strong. The Lord comes upon me. I do miracles and so on. I'm different. I'm not going to read it all out, but you can see there is a process. Three times, three times Delilah attempts to entice the secret of his strength from Samson. You would think that he'd wake up, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> You know, she doesn't even hide it, does she? You know what I'm saying? Goodness me. The first one, verse 7, to bind him with seven fresh bowstrings not yet dry, which he breaks easily. Secondly, to bind with new ropes never used, which are broken easily, verse 11. Third time, weave the seven locks of his hair into the loom. I imagine that when he wakes up and ripping his hair out. <laughs> Goodness me. It was swung around and battered somebody in the process. Praise <laughs> Okay. There's one thing that I want you to see here, friends. You see that as we get as we get along this process, as we go through this process, you see him getting closer and closer to the truth. Don't you? It's like a game to him almost. Where you see him getting closer and closer to the truth. It seems to me that Samson felt that he was in control. That he was in control. He didn't feel threatened by that. If not, he would have cut it off straight away. Talking about the relationship, you know, sharing. He didn't feel threatened. He didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't catch the warning for some reason. He felt that he was in control. Friends, don't we do the same with temptation? Don't we do the same with temptation? As we're going through, you know, being enticed by our desires and so so on, you know, there's something that brings satisfaction about sin, isn't it? Please, come on. I'm not talking about something you sit there and think, oh no, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. It's something that entices you, <coughs> draws you away. Where there's something inside of you that's pulling you, you think, well, that's, that seems right, it seems nice, it's good, it makes me feel good. Yes? But I'm alright, I'm in control, maybe you're being tempted. 
whether you're at work or at school or with another person you know you shouldn't, shouldn't be tempted with or whatever. And you feel, I'm okay, I can continue this because I'm in control. I'm untouchable. I'm unsinkable. A bit like the Titanic. That's what they say about the Titanic once, didn't they? Even God couldn't sink that. Say no more. We never have the control that we think we have over ourselves through temptation. Understand that? If you just, we've got to stop. We've got to stop it. Cut it off. Nip it in the bud, as we say, don't. Every capitulation makes it easier to slip up the next time. Guys, it's not a game. It's a process that if it carries its full course, it will lead you to destruction. All of us. All of us. You understand that? Doesn't matter how long we've been walking with the Lord. Doesn't matter how many marvelous experiences we've had or how much God has used us powerfully. Its goal is to lead us to destruction. And I'll tell you something what we can do. We are, we need to be what we are by the grace of God. It's not the game. Let me read to you. It's kind of, of, of uh, related here. Proverbs 7, verse 25 to 27. Talking about advice concerning the harlot. It says, do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray to her paths, for she has cast down many wounded. And all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Strong men were slain by her. Philistines, thousands of Philistines couldn't slay Samson. But one woman. That's nothing against women. Bless her. One woman was used. Why? Because it was his weakness. It was his weakness that was being exploited. What does it say? She pestered him daily with her words. And I heard some of you laugh. <laughs> These were specific words, alright? She pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so his soul was vexed to death. The thing became too much for him. Because he continued talking. Just have a, have a look in the Garden of Eden, friends, because he entered into that conversation. And he continued, all thinking he was in control, he continued, brought him to the point of absolute weakness and exhaustion, to the point of compromise. To the point of compromise. The Bible says that he told her, verse 17, let's read it, verse 17, that he told her all his heart and said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head for I have been a Nazarite of God from my mother's womb. If I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. She brought him, she brought him to the place of compromise. Hallelujah. Verse 19. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees. She lulled him to sleep on her knees. After the point of compromise, he then comes to a place of a false sense of security. It's a false sense of security. But hear these words, friends. And he falls asleep as if everything is okay. He's just compromised. The final condition, and probably the most important condition of his Nazarite vow. The one thing that was left intact, if you want, to the fact that he was consecrated to God. 
He compromised his relationship with God Almighty because of something that was temporary and passive. And you know, we, we can criticize him easily, but again, when we do this, and we do it often, don't we? Unfortunately. Maybe you think, well, you know, I haven't quite dropped a big clangle like he has, but I'm sure you've got your own clangers. Yes. When we do that, we show the same contempt. Sadly. That's where it leads to. It leads us to a final point this morning. The final lesson is we see the pitfall of presumption. The pitfall of presumption. Verse 18 to 21. It says, When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the Lord to the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the Lord to the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him. Important. And his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yes. One of the most striking things in this passage of scripture is it says he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. How we may look on the outside does not necessarily reflect how we are on the inside. Do you know one of the, the, the ironic things about this process is Seen, I'm sure you've seen it as well, is that God will use an individual in spite of their flaws. I've seen people who are in sin and yet been used of God. I'm sorry to say that, but that's true. And the trouble is, is that then allows that person or lulls that person into a false, false sense of security. And you start to think, I mean, I don't understand that, friend, I'll be honest with you. I do not understand. But I've seen it. And the trouble is that you think, as you're going through the process, you think, well, you know, I know I'm doing this, but I'm still being used of God, so everything's alright. Everything's okay, as if God is approving somehow. As if it becomes a license to continue. But you see, the law always come a point, won't they? The law has come a point where that truth is revealed. The law has come a point where we, we come down, we come crashing down to earth, so to speak. That's the point here. That's how we're reading through the scriptures. We're supposed to be shocked yeah. at how he's one minute he's, he's, he's committing sin, and next minute he's ripping gate posts out. Do you understand that, friends? What I'm saying this morning: material blessings also do not always indicate God's approval. Material blessings do not always indicate God's approval. Okay? Please bear that in mind. If you don't believe me, read the book of Amos. You know, sadly, very often we're at our most vulnerable place spiritually when things are good. When we're being blessed. 
We need to be so careful with that. Let's take care of the inner man first. Character is what God is looking to show. Said it before, say it again, friends. We want to see the power of God move in this place. We want to see the power of God move in your lives, in my life. We want to see you being used with miracles and, and, and mighty manifestations of His Spirit. We want to see all these things. But we also want to emphasize the importance of having the characters to carry that kind of glory. We also want, to, want you to remember that it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about my muscles or the, or the, the length of my hair, so to speak. Do you understand? It's about him. It's about him. Nothing against my hair, by the way. Look what he says in verse 20. I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. Everything's going to be alright because everything's always been alright. Because God's always rescued me. God's always helped me. God's always used me. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. And then that mighty man, then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. Interesting. They put out his eyes because it seems it was his eyes that gave him the problem in the first place, didn't it? I want you to imagine the picture, friends. You imagine his eyes. The guy with no eyes had his eyes gouged out. Terrible situation, right? You imagine how terrible that was, how painful that was, how humiliating that was. Because that's what sin does. That's what the enemy will do if we allow him to, if we do not deal. Know ourselves, know our weaknesses, and deal with them before the Lord. Ah. Even so, listen, the vow did not make him powerful. Please understand this. It's not the vow that made him powerful. What the vow did is it set him apart to be a vessel of God's power. It's the consecration was the setting apart, being set apart to be a vessel of God's power. Do you understand? Hope so. The truth is, the power always belongs to the Lord. The power belongs to the Lord. Samson was a thorn in the side of the Philistines, but it wasn't about him. It was about the Spirit of the Lord using him for the glory of his name. Unfortunately, compromise. We must not misinterpret God's patience and mercy as license. Why? Because there's always a price to pay if we continually compromise with sin. There are a lot of things to hold on to there, friends. A lot of things to learn, a lot of things to think about. Challenging things. But I want you to go away and think about it. I had a great conversation with somebody the other day took the word away and thought about and brought some questions back. I want you to do that. I want you to go away and listen to what the Spirit of God is trying to teach you through these stories. Man, this is bizarre. Yes, expect to me. Why? Because the Spirit of God wants to show you something, wants to teach you something. Oh, that was Old Testament. Look at the principles that are written for Amen. Okay, please, please. For all of us, what a mighty man who came crashing down. Let me encourage you this morning. Because maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you felt that you've come down crashing to earth. And you're thinking, that's it, it's all over. Guys, it was tragic. What happened? God had a purpose. And the last word is restoration. Restoration. We're going to talk about that next time. Okay? Yes, it's still tragic, but there's a bit of a high note. And I'm going to talk about it next time together. How can we apply it this morning?
Now Jesus said in Matthew 18 verse 9, and this is my please. He says, if your life causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. The words of Jesus, friends. In other words, please don't go away and gouge your eyes out. But he's saying, be radical with sin, against sin, okay, in your existence of it. Be radical. Cut off what needs to be cut off. You know, if there are relationships that are leading you down the wrong path, cut them off. <laughs> what we need to sacrifice sometimes, right? Secondly, we must be aware of our weaknesses as human beings, all of us, every single one of us. No matter how long we've been walking with you, how much God has used us. Let's be aware of our weaknesses as human beings. Don't overestimate our spiritual strength and don't underestimate the strength of temptation and sin. Okay? Praise God. Praise God. Let's just bow our heads this morning. <coughs> Father, we just once again come humbly before you, Lord, and just uh, as we've read these passages, Lord, and we've, we've highlighted, Father, Samson's weaknesses, Lord, we, we come and we, we only acknowledge our own, we know that it's, it's, it's tragic, Father, and we know that these words are there for our benefit, for us to learn from, for us to be taught by. Holy Spirit, we just pray. As we take this word away this week, and as we think into it and wrestle with it, Lord, some of the things that the, the, the truths in your word here, Lord, the challenges. Holy One, we just pray that you keep teaching us, keep shaping us and molding us, Father God, to be real with your scriptures. To Lord, just try and beautify things, but Lord, to really grapple with these difficult questions. Lord, help us to apply them in our own lives. We need you, Lord. And we just want to thank you, Father, that though it is a tragic story, your purposes are brought to pass. You will bring your purposes to pass, Father, in spite of us, in spite of our weaknesses. And we just pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And if you find yourself this morning, if you've identified you you're in that place, maybe you're in that process and you're struggling. I'm going to ask you at the end, okay? We'll go somewhere else and pray. Come to us, one of us leaders. We'd love to pray with you. Don't be embarrassed because we all go through it. All of us. Okay? So walk right together in Jesus' name. Amen.